0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Carita Robert-Green, and welcome to the Unwrap Your Gift podcast. The show where we dance, in conversation about all things to do with life, how to find your gifts, and hear stories from inspirational people around the world. You will learn how to celebrate who you truly are, unwrap your gifts, and step into your true authentic power. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I am so excited today to be joined by the amazing Jackie Campbell. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Corita. You're Thank welcome. You for inviting me. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you here. I'm just going to let everybody know a bit of information about who you are, and then we'll jump into the interview. So Jackie is a youth mental health expert, author, director, and founder of the Julian Campbell Foundation. The Julian Campbell Foundation is an early intervention charity that supports children and young people to manage their moods, well-being, and mental health helping them to turn their lives around and manage their well-being throughout their lifetime through Mood Mentoring. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you so much, Jackie, for being here today. How are you doing?
1: I'm really excited. Very yeah? excited, yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you so much. So I'd just like to let you share a bit of information about your journey so far, so we can get to know who you are and what you stand for in the world. Yeah,
1: my life started when um, after my brother's suicide and before my my brother's suicide, I was I was a teacher um, and I really loved it. I was a science teacher. I turned into a consultant after I had some really great results from Ofsted oh. and um, I my my passion was to go into failing schools and, and help and turn them around so they were succeeding. So um the you know the children left with you know really great grades because it was for me it was like we'd given them a passport for the rest of their lives the Mm -hmm. more you know examinations and the better the quality of their grades the more able they were to have greater choices for that platform to go on to take a levels go to university and i loved it and after my brother's suicide and then seeing it 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 another life started, I started seeing why I was here, Um, why, you know, started seeing our young people suffering from anxiety, stress and depression, and that there wasn't prompt intervention while they were at school. So I saw that when I was in schools, that while I was there like driving up these results, That there were a lot of our young people stressed, anxious, depressed, and going through all types of things that weren't really, and we weren't helping them to address it at a significantly young age. Mm. And that's where I saw the need for something that was more important, because for me before, it was most important to have those qualifications. But then I got to see that actually good mental health is far, far outweighs that, it's far more important.
0: Yeah, wow. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Thank you so much for sharing that so far. Sorry to hear about the loss of your brother. And this is a very, very, very important topic that we're covering today. And you talked about how you used to chase the, the titles before, right? And be in that space of chasing the titles. And then you had this incident that made you think, whoa, let me just really look at my life purpose. Like, what was that like for you? What was that like for you?
1: That what transition mean,
0: from tasting the titles to having this now mission in life.
1: its It was liberating, really liberating. You know, it wasn't something I stepped into easily and straight away. Yeah, why me? Why do I have to do this? Why can't I just be, you know, going to parties and having a good time, you know? So there was some resistance. And who I was before is like, you know, my, who I, my value or my identity like to have those titles, mm-hmm. you know, because then, you know, like if I had the title of doctor, for example, and that's how I used to go into schools, like, you know, I'd get insulted. I noticed sometimes that some people call me doctor, some people call me miss,
0: yes. you know,
1: and like, yeah. you know, I would take, I would take that as a, as a slight, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I take that personally because for me, the title was giving me something that I that I I didn't think I had, like some value or some worse.
0: Yes. So you had a big attachment to the title, right? Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's lots of people listening here who can relate to whether it's a doctor or a big job title, that you get really attached, your identity becomes linked to that, to that thing that you have. You know, what's what what was the impact? You said that you got frustrated when people used to sometimes get that wrong or call you the wrong name, right? Yeah, I mean I've seen it in others
1: as well, you know, yeah. like you know, like some would actually say no, doctor, and they would insist on the title. Me, I just like make them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and start kind of like criticizing them inside, like, you know, you just see how you are, what's your problem? Like, why can't you? This is my title, you mm-hmm. know, and I and I did it in schools for a purpose, because especially with the schools that I used to work at, you know, that had a high Afro-Caribbean contingency, mm-hmm. you know, for me, you know, for me to use my title. You know, I wanted to show that it's in. You know, it's really easy and it's possible to be able to get whatever you whatever you want. So it wasn't that I was just doing it for myself because I wanted to be called doctor. It was for that purpose.
0: Yeah, the visible kind of role model as well. What people, yeah. there's a lot of people that I've 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 seen over the years, they haven't actually necessarily seen doctors that look like us. So mm. to be that person in an environment where they may not have seen it before as well would have been really powerful. So what was it like over, tell us a bit more, a bit more about what you're doing now with your charity and tell us a bit more about that. Yeah.
1: So um, after my brother's death in 2007, I I knew what I wanted to do in that, you know, in that moment. Okay, I remember being in his funeral and, you know, giving the eulogy and, and in that moment it was really self defining. I don't want other families to suffer the way that I saw myself and my parents suffer. I wanted to provide something, some kind of support, and that, that's something that I really was passionate about in that moment. However, it took me a couple of years to get over the morning because I, you know, I was in a way destroyed. I was destroyed, you know, because I took it for granted that me and my brother, we would be just like, you know, hanging out for decades to come. So it was just getting over that shock. Mm-hmm. And then in 2009, I started Julian Campbell Foundation. So I started the foundation in, in you know, in his name. And it almost was like he was alive again, yeah. you know, because he was there. And I remember when I first saw the website, I just really felt overcome, you know, mm. like, oh my goodness, like, look at this. It's almost like, you know, yeah, he, mi- he might, might have died, but there's others that can live through what we've learned. Yeah. And I started looking at what would have made the difference to him such that he would be the best possible version of himself. And he would have turned his life around. And that's where we came up with the concept, mood mentors. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like a flagship position. Um, yes. So our mentors, they're mood mentors. They don't they don't mentor, they're not academic mentors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They don't mentor young people and children at risk of exclusion. They mentor s- s- to the mood. Okay. So you know around stress anxiety depression and showing a young person how to manage their stress anxiety and depression giving them a little toolbox that they can use so once they've you know they've finished their mentoring it's usually up to three months that they yeah. can go off and they know that they know when they're feeling a bit anxious and depressed or stressed yeah. and furthermore they know what to do about it to yeah it or to eliminate it mm. so uh, it's just
0: about building that kind of self-awareness like right now my emotions are feeling low and mm. then or or how or they are feeling good so just explain a bit because I'm sure we'll have parents here listening who may have children that have a lot of experience of different highs and lows as you do as a child so what is it a, a bit more about you know, your mission is to, is it stamp out teen suicide? Yeah so, yep. yeah, so this this is our mission and our vision to
1: stamp out teen suicide. So I want to be in a world where it isn't isn't—it isn't a conversation, it isn't an option for our mm. young people to be making a permanent decision from a temporary emotion, because a lot of our children think that the emotion is, is permanent they don't see that it's temporary so a lot of the children that we see and we mentor we do drama workshops and dance and they can tell they see through doing these activities it changes their mood you know and and so this is like a really self-defining moment for them to say oh my goodness okay then um you know it's not fixed I'm not like this forever there's something that I can do about it so it's really an important gift, is an import, important realization for them. And I, um, I remember after my brother died, it was around 2009. I saw this documentary on bipolar, and my mm-hmm. brother had bipolarity. And I was watching it, you know, out avidly. Um, and we had our, you know, Stephen Fry was was leading it. And I remember in the second part of the documentary, he was interviewing somebody like Dr. Liz Miller. And Dr. Liz Miller, she had um, bipolar disorder. And when she was 26 years old, she was Mm. a top neurosurgeon and she had her, she had an episode and she was sectioned. And from all of that, she came out and she and she she wrote a book. And and at the time of that interview, she wasn't any she wasn't using any drugs or anything like that. She'd been able to just kind of like, you know, really get things under control just with a, a healthy lifestyle. And she'd manage her moods in a way that was called using the mood map, mm. and it's a mood map that I really like, Carita. And oh, that okay. does, it's a mood map. It's yeah. like it's a map of the moods. Yeah. So it's um, it's like a it's like a graph. It's like a it's, it, you know, I can I can send it to you afterwards, but. Yes, <laughs> because after being the science teacher that graphs you know really speak to me and 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 there's all of these moods on the graph you know mm-hmm. depending on whether it's high energy or whether it's low energy mm-hmm. and then you can see once you can see where you are you decide well do I want to stay there or do do, do I want to change and that's where the mood mentor would help you deciding mm-hmm. you know depending on where you want to move mm-hmm. you know Um, then you know that you can do an activity or you can speak with your friends and and a lot of children they know already because they're doing things but they don't realize that they can actually directly impact their moods yeah so um so yeah so i reached out and started speaking with with dr miller or lizzie and then you know for while she was part of our organization as a trustee and then together we started building up this brand using this using the mood map. And actually the mood map is at the cornerstone of all of all of the services we provide. Yes.
0: Yes. Wow. Do you know this mood map is so powerful? And what you just talked about, a lot of young people nowadays, you know, we've got social media and there's a lot of pressure. We had peer pressure before, but like uh, with social media, I'm sure the moods go up and down. And it's just being aware of how they're feeling. Like what impact would you say kind of social media and that type of stuff has had on young people, especially through the lockdown we've just experienced? What have you yes. seen of your charity that's been happening? Yes, in actual fact, this was a time of our
1: biggest growth during the lockdown. And um and we changed, we put all of our services online. Mm. And so we were able to um, com- continue with our drama workshops because with our drama workshops, we were looking at moods through the mood mapping and also mm. looking at important important aspects of, of growing up which are important to children. So we we're looking at body image and also mm. the dangers of social media and um when we did this i just remember that you know we we did it with 300 children and not one of us when in went into the school out of respect for the you know the the distancing and you know quarantining and 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 all of this you know that that the pan, pandemic bro- brought and um I I I was really moved because I didn't think it would work like how can you have a drama workshop that isn't like up close and personal it doesn't work but it was just I, I was moved everybody was moved um, and seeing the young people and how they're interacting with what we were what we were going you know going through with them like you know um, looking at social media the dangers of social media we had one of our one of our team who used to be a young person receiving a service user, and she talked about her experiences of grooming. Mm. which just it just captivated all of the young people, mm. like you know we're talking about three hundred here. And mm. as she was speaking, you couldn't hear a pin drop. And what she wanted to portray, she wanted to share that this grooming happened over a period of years. Wow. You know, and she she wanted them to um, young people to understand that it isn't just you have one conversation and then that's it. This this man and the man that was grooming her was married, um, you know was was having conversations from when she was sixteen years old to when she was like nineteen years old, and it was a sexually of a sexual nature, you know. And she at the time, you know, just went with it, you know, because you know, you know, because yeah, you know, she was, yeah. she was vulnerable. She wasn't really speaking with her parents mm. and he used to make her feel good about herself with the compliments. And, um, and then looking at line online as well, that's really so important. And, you know, because what I've seen is that a lot of young people, they look at social media and they see that as a barometer and they want to achieve what they see. On social media so you know I've heard a lot of people they you know they um not have fake accounts but they they might hire a plane and they and people think young people (laughs) think it's their own plane you know they're doing all of these things that look wonderful but it's just not it's just not true and then young people are really impressionable and they're looking at the body images and looking at the lifestyles and they're thinking that it's something that they can achieve and then they then they start making themselves wrong because they haven't they feel they haven't got what it takes to be mm. like this not realizing that a lot of it isn't even real
0: yeah yeah so there's a lot of that fake pressure online as well with yeah. what we think is real sometimes and then comparing it back to ourselves yeah. you know i remember growing up i had such a challenging time as a young person and i used to compare myself to everybody And when you do that all the time, you just end up feeling so inadequate and there's always something wrong. You can't see the goods. And by being mindful of your emotions and your moods, that's such a powerful place to be in. Because when you have the right tools, you know, a lot of trauma happens as well. Let's be let's be honest and say there's some people that have been through so many traumatic situations in the past. And whether it's family or just situations in general where having that negative mindset is is challenging to control and you know mental health is a real thing it's a real thing and i always like to make the di- distinction between you know mental health and and counseling and going into the past and dealing with some of those issues as well um because sometimes people try and like skim over it and think you could just get on and move of it but when you're not aware of your thoughts and feelings it's really hard to move on and sometimes we feel like we're all alone we feel like we're alone with our thoughts and we are most of the times and we we're not really sure when is the right time to answer for help so for, for a lot of people out there this topic is very close to my heart this topic is very close to my heart because I've not really shared with with hardly anybody or only very close people to me that when I was younger and I was growing up as a as a child I was very um as I mentioned very trying to compare myself to everybody else I had a disformed ear when I was younger and it used to look like an elf so people used to bully me in school call me Spock and say that you know elf and ET and all these horrible things and every time I went into school I used to hate myself and I thought if all these people are being horrible to me and and being nasty to me that me- must mean I'm a horrible person. And I didn't have that resilience or mindset at the time to be able to say, actually, I love myself. I didn't have that love. I had a lot of self-hate. And a lot of people see me now and say, oh, Miss Pollyanna, happy-go-lucky, always positive. But back then I wasn't. And I'm going to put a little trigger out there that at some point in my teens, I actually tried to take my own life as well. It got to a stage where it was so bad. My thoughts were so out of control. I didn't want to be here anymore. So I really want to show that sometimes you don't know what people are going through. So it's so important to be kind to people. Since then, I've had a lot of counselling and done a lot of mindset work to rebuild myself. And now I know who I am. I love myself, but I still have to tell myself that daily. And if you're in a situation where sometimes it feels like, things may be dark or not going in a way that you want them to being honest with yourself is so important as jackie mentioned that mood mental being being aware of your emotions am i feeling good no i'm not feeling good how long have i not been feeling good for sometimes that one day can go on for weeks or months or even years and you're not able to catch it so i just wanted to put in that as well to say that's you never know what people are going through and that's why it's important to be honest with yourself be kind and get the right help and support so thank you so much so much for sharing that Jackie and for those what what tips would you give to people who may be in a tough situation right now what help or support is there out there for people I know you've got your charity as well um and and what other support just out there in the in a world of support for that type of things do you know about yeah I
1: mean I would say that that um there's 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 tragedies and things that happen all of the time when I say that I'm talking about people dying or you know there might be some kind of you know something that's that's happened that has you start feeling anxious or depressed you know because it's a natural reaction to an adverse circumstance so it's is that you know so please don't be making yourself wrong for reacting in a certain way and feeling down in a low mood or or stressed It's only when but usually we will bounce back up in one, you know, maybe not after a a bereavement, but we will get back to, you know, within a week or so, you know, we'll find ways to get back to kind of like a to a to a to a norm. Mm. It's when it continues uh, after those two weeks and, you know, and it's something that's happening for a month Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that you would, you know, start looking elsewhere for for help. And I know that we're one of, you know, many organizations, you know, that work with children and they're important, and it's really important to work with young people because 80% of mental health illnesses are actually seen by the time a young person is 18 years old. Wow! So if 80% of them are already seen by that age, there's a lot more that we can be doing as an early intervention showing young people how to to manage their moods. The schools that we work with, they're much more proactive. You know, we want to put a mood mentor and drop-in mentor in every school, um, you know, because the the mentors we find has a different listening to counsellor. There's nothing wrong with counselling, there's nothing wrong with being a psychologist either, but the mentors, young people gravitate more towards the mentors um, and, you know, then, then they would do, to, you know, towards counsellors and psychologists. And I'd, I'd say that being an adult, it's really important to listen yeah. because with our young people and as a parent as well, you know, um, and I saw it a lot when I was a teacher, like parents are working hard. They're paying bills, they're doing all of these things. And sometimes they're just working all of these extraordinary hours and they're doing the best that they can do. And sometimes they haven't got time to listen to their children. And I don't mean that in an in a derogatory way. Usually it's more like, have you done your homework and this and that? That's the kind of conversation. And then with our, with our mentors, our, our mood mentors, they they they're there and they listen to the young person for the hour and they listen for what it is that they're dealing with and for a lot of young people that's the only time that they really get listened to Mm -hmm. and somebody gets them so it's really important for us to listen to our young people and listen to what it is that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and support them in that and sometimes just listening you know I mean when I was a school teacher before I came into all of this I had um, many young people used to come to me and talk to me about a whole lot of stuff and they didn't want to worry their parents you know so that's why they wouldn't they wouldn't tell them and I and I really get that however you know if if there's no one to speak with then what happens with this information like if they're if, if somebody's trying to abuse them or you know or something something like this it's just really you know it's really and for that reason it's really important for us as parents uncles and aunties friends or whatever to really listen to a the, the young person that we have around us because we don't have to just leave it to the professionals mm-hmm.
0: it's listening trusting isn't it yeah providing that trusting space and that listening ear yeah um, you touched on a good point we're so busy nowadays and you know that time when your child is like you know do you have a minute and oh one minute I'm you know I'm just going to finish this thing off and then I'll get back to you and then before you know it the time's gone and you haven't had a chance to get back and then that 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 feeling or that 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 thing that they wanted to tell you that's just bottled up inside Mm -hmm. so it's very powerful work the listening that point you made about the listening yeah yeah
1: yeah and I would say as well for for us because we look at young people and we you know the ones that we mentor we encourage them to to measure their mood four times a day when they wake up in the morning in the early afternoon late afternoon and evening um, because in in doing that they can find out more about themselves mm. sometimes they can find that they've they're in a low mood it could be because they've been with a particular person. Or, you know, or they've done something, but then also as well, it's good for them because then they can start doing things if they want to change their moods and get out of being in a low mood. You know, going out for a walk, talking to a friend, so they can be more proactive and they can see their moods changing and the impact that their behaviour has. I mean, I would say that you know, if you're stressed or you're anxious then doing kind of like um, you know those exercise where you go down and you jump up is it star jumps yeah, you know, jump. doing <laughs> doing five for you know doing five or ten of those you know that will that is an instant you know mm-hmm. that will drag you out of being in you know in a low mood like high energy kind of you know stress mm-hmm. you know and start bringing you back to the right side of the map. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, we have all of these little tricks that we can do. Like, what do you do if you want to if you want to change your mood like instantaneously? So yeah. we've got a little we've got a little list of things.
0: Wow. But it is important to have that check-in, that like, how am I feeling right now? Yeah. I think that check-in is key to get that like the barometer of where you are right now on that mood mood map. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. I um I have to say before I started using it, because I wanted to use it myself first. Mm -hmm. And then I can start showing other, other people, you know, and training other people how to use it. I just wasn't in touch with myself, Karita. And I, I so was so, I'd lost so much touch that I I had chronic fatigue. And so I just couldn't, and one day I just couldn't get up because I, I wasn't listening to myself. I was drinking lots of coffee, Red Bull to get myself out of bed. And, you know, and I know now that Red Bull is like, you're putting, you're putting your energy. It's like a credit card you have to pay it back at some time in those times i didn't realize well yeah let me just do it and and then it and then it didn't work and that 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 was it but it was important for me to get into that into that that way that state for me mm-hmm. to see and to finally start listening to my body and looking at my moods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you've
0: touched on something really important there a lot of the time, people who are, you know, seen as successful or really passionate and like helping other people, people forget to check in on those people sometimes. You know, they say, check in on your strong friends, see how they're doing. Because it's a, it's easy for people to mask up how they really are feeling inside because we're always helping other people. So checking in on your strong friends is so important too. yeah. So I just want to, you know, this is the Unwrap Your Gift podcast, and it's all about empowering people to unwrap their gifts and step into their power. And I'm really grateful that you have been sharing the importance of being mindful of how you feel and also the importance of suicide awareness, suicide awareness in young people. And it does sometimes start that young but in regards to the unwrap your gift podcast what would you say is one of your gifts that you have
1: um I would say and 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 this is because it's been is said to me because when I when I stepped out into the field the 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 field of charity I had no idea of Mm -hmm. all I knew was that I wanted to save lives and I you know wanted to help young children I didn't you know you know, but, I, but I've been told that I've been able to have really, you know, great conversations and, and invite people, you know, different people from all different walks of life into the course. Yes. yes. So, um, so one of them that I'm really pr- I'm pleased with was um, we had a conversation with Tito Jackson. Oh, wow. Um you know and and Tito Jackson was our um well he's Michael Jackson's older brother. Mm. um he also wrote a forward on 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 two of my books. The second one still isn't published. I'll get around to it someday, <laughs> you know and um and he, he was he you know our well-being international well-being ambassador mm. um and I don't it's it's not that I see it as a as a gift i I see it that mental health, and suicide prevention, it it, it touches more, more people than we think. And sometimes when I'm having these conversations with people, they're moved because they've been touched
0: by it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is it, unless people share with you, you don't really know their backstory. And it is such a, it's a triggering and also sensitive topic for a lot of people for more reasons than you may know. I always like to ask, what's one of your favorite quotes? What's one of your favorite quotes? I love um Marion Will Williamson. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. I and there was there was a, a quote. I mean, I don't know the exact words, but the one that really kind of grabs me the most is um is something that Nelson Mandela said in one of his speeches, and it was it was using her words, and it was uh, it it was um it was words to the effect that it's not our darkness that, that frightens us it's our light because when, when, when we are, when we are there and we're, we're given that all of this light, it gives everybody else the permission to do the same.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and I just love that. I love that. I love that. It's not our darkness. It is. Our, yes. I love it. And I do know the quote you're referring to. Yeah. Wow. Do you know that's really powerful? Because again, that touches back into when we were talking about the people who have got a lot of light to give in the world. Sometimes they have the darkest moments that nobody knows about. Oh, wow. This has been an amazing, amazing, amazing interview, Jackie. Thank you so much for your time. What's one message that you'd love to leave with everybody today? What's one message that you'd love to leave with everyone today?
1: Um, My one message is that everything is fleeting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so the good times don't last forever. And then the bad times
0: don't last forever. That's so true. Wow. Thank you so much, Jackie. You've been an amazing guest. I've been touched. I've been (laughs) moved. I've been inspired. And I'm sure everybody that's listening will also be. So remember, guys, we are all born with a gift. We all have special skills, talents and gifts that we can use to be successful. And now's the time to unwrap your gifts. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast and see you soon.